One of the awkward things about being a minister is that we have that helpful look about us. <laughs> now, at church, this helpful look is understood in its context. But in the wider world, the helpful look results in ministers performing small kindnesses everywhere just because we looked like we would be willing to. I can't tell you how many times I've been stopped in the grocery store aisle to get something off a top shelf for a person who is just not quite tall enough to reach it themselves. There I am with my cart or my basket, trying to get in and out of the store efficiently like we do. And then someone catches my eye. I understand what the other person needs. Apologies are made. I say, it's no problem at all, and then up I reach. Usually, that's the end of the interaction, except for the time that I accidentally dropped a large jar of maraschino cherries from the top shelf, resulting in a huge mess on the floor. That required an embarrassing call over the intercom, clean up in aisle three, and a mop and a bucket. But usually, the person thanks me, and we go our separate ways. I've been helpful. They have their grocery item. End of story. And so goes much of life. We like to be helpful. We are not put out generally by small requests. In fact, we reach up quite naturally. We are achievers, you and me. We like it when things work. We will go the extra mile, and when we are asked to reach high, boy, we will reach high. The question this morning, though, is, can we also reach wide? The theme of our annual pledge campaign this year is Reach High, Reach Wide. Simply put, the theme invokes two of the immediate priorities for First Parish in Concord. Reach high refers to the need to repair and repaint our steeple. I don't know if you've looked at it recently, but it's getting pretty shabby up there, and Doug Baker could tell you in extreme detail how shabby it is getting. <laughs> Paint is peeling, the gold dome is tarnished, and I'm sure that there's some wood that needs to be replaced up there, having been up there myself not too long ago. Now, the steeple is in no danger of falling. Do not worry about that. But now is the time to fix it before it gets any worse. As we reach high in our annual pledge campaign, we commit to taking care of this spiritual home of ours. We commit to keeping it standing in Concord Center as a proud beacon of religious freedom and inclusion. And remember how I said that we were good at reaching up well, the reaching high part of our pledge campaign should be a piece of cake then, and I hope it is. We are a people who like to see tangible results. A freshly painted steeple will make all of us really happy. However, the annual pledge campaign cannot stop at reach high. We cannot be satisfied to spruce up our building and leave it at that. We have to learn to reach wide, too. The reach-wide aspect of our fundraising effort speaks to how we want to be as a congregation. 
In the last few years, we have made incredible efforts to be more kind, welcoming, and connected as a congregation. And let me tell you this. This is a very different congregation than the one I encountered six years ago. It is very different. You have really opened yourselves up in beautiful ways. You have taken seriously the call to be a more loving community. Together, we have brought down the anxiety at First Parish. Together, we have fostered a culture of kindness. Together, we have begun to care more deeply about our fellow congregants. And the result of this culture change has been that many people have chosen to join us. Many new people who did not know anything about the congregation's past have felt welcome here and have joined the congregation, and they have brought their children with them. But the thing that surprises me most is how many people who have been coming here for years and years have also joined. We still have over 200 people on our rolls who are friends of First Parish, and have not joined yet, but many long-standing friends have decided to make their membership official in the last few years. Usually, with a sheepish look on their faces, they've made their way back to the lobby on a second Sunday of the month and explained that, that they've been coming here for years, but they just never joined. That's okay, I say. We are glad that the time is right now welcome, and they sign our book. New members are not the only way this congregation's influence is felt. Essentially, First Parish in Concord is a community center for the town of Concord and beyond. You only have to try to get an event on the church calendar to see how booked this church is. There are hundreds of events that happen each year, thousands of people who are not members of our congregation come to First Parish for an event or two each year. One of our ministries to the wider world is through making events happen here in our building. We open our doors to our community, and I'm proud of this, and we must continue to reach wide in all that we do. Now, I don't have to tell you that the wider American culture is moving rapidly in a secular direction, All houses of worship are facing similar challenges. The churches that will thrive and grow in the 21st century America will be the ones that open themselves up to their communities, who stay open, who reach wide. The churches that stay relevant will be the ones who realize that their mission is not up to them to decide. Did you hear that? That their mission is not up to them to decide. Their mission must be to those who need the church most, both within it and without it. Their mission must respond to their community's needs. These churches must reach wide. Now, it's been a sad week to watch the United Methodist Church fight the latest battle in a civil war it has been waging on itself for almost 40 years now. This latest battle will likely tear apart a badly weakened Methodist church 
and result in the further decline of its congregations. I bring up this example only because Unitarian Universalism is just as susceptible as Methodism to waging an equally foolish war among itself. Up until the 1970s, the Methodist Book of Discipline made no mention of gay and lesbian clergy or congregation or congregants. They simply weren't in it. Gay people had been long active in the Methodist Church's more liberal congregations, and it was only when reactionary leaders objected to their presence that things changed. A civil war in the Methodist denomination over ordination and marriage equality has consumed that denomination since. They have done almost nothing else in the last 40 years but fight about this. Thousands of people have left the Methodist Church over this issue. Hundreds of churches have closed their doors because this fight consumed congregations and made them hostile places. Countless liberal Christians have had to do battle for the soul of their own church when they would have much rather been doing ministry in the wider world. I'm both sad for and disgusted with the United Methodist Church. And I know that something equally divisive could engulf First Parish and Unitarian Universalism, distracting us from our mission in the wider world. Now, Unitarian Universalism long ago settled the matter of inclusion of LGBTQ people, settled it so conclusively that gay and lesbian ministers are no longer even considered a historically marginalized group within our churches. How's that for not getting special status or anything? No, homosexuality will not be the wedge that threatens to split us, but there is another wedge just as powerful that could, and that wedge is race. The conversations about race in the United States is heating up in ways not seen since the 1960s. The current political makeup of our country contributes much to this heated conversation but the conversation has been hanging around for a long time. Often it has been kept in the shadows by those in power who always claim to have something more important to talk about first. Often white UUs would rather talk about anything other than race because it is so divisive. The issue of people of color in positions of authority in Unitarian Universalism is a wedge that could threaten to divide us I want to make sure that it doesn't, because it doesn't have to. I want us to engage with the conversation about people of color and leadership in Unitarian Universalism with curiosity and with humility. Reach wide. Reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will continue to open itself up. Reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will be curious, not defensive, about the slave-holding history of its earliest ministers. Reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will wonder why Concord kept freed blacks in their place 
before and after the Civil War, reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will grapple with an income inequality in town that forced not only poor people of color elsewhere, but poor whites as well. Reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will make peace with the way that people of color in leadership here have been thwarted and misunderstood. Reach wide. This is how First Parish in Concord will see who is not yet in our midst. This is how we will begin to recognize each other for who we really are and how we will see who is missing. When we have an honest, loving conversation about race, then we will be ready to be of better use to the world. Then, reaching wide will come naturally to us. And now let's all take a nice deep breath in and out. One more in and out. If you've been paying attention, you will realize that the racial makeup of the leadership of the UUA in Boston is changing much more rapidly than the racial makeup of leaders in our churches. I find this to be an exciting, daring new development. And I know that people of color and leadership will cause a crisis for some in our denomination. It will also likely cause some confusion as the social justice agenda coming from the UUA feels oddly out of step with regular church life. As people of color continue to rise in power at the UUA, I would caution us, myself included, to withhold judgment. I would urge us, myself included, to be curious about our own feelings of discomfort. I would encourage us, myself included, to trust the leaders who have been hired and elected to do a good job and to have the benefit of all of us in mind. UU ministers of color have had, have had a terrible time getting and keeping settled ministries in our churches for the last few decades. Congregation after congregation has said high-minded things during a search process only to revert to old racist ways during the ministry. There is still widespread racial discrimination in Unitarian Universalism. This is work we must do together. Reach wide, I tell you. Reach wide. In the Buddhist teaching tale I started with, a herd of cows arrives at the bank of a wide stream. We imagine this is a stream the herd has never crossed before, though some of the cows have experience with similar streams. The Buddha tells us how the experienced, enlightened cows cross easily, but the others struggle. The inexperienced ones fear the stream and the calves simply do not know how to cross it at all. 
How many times have we thought that we were experienced enough to handle a stream only to find ourselves fearful and woefully ignorant? How many times have we found ourselves facing some challenge only to stumble apprehensively on the shore? How often have we been immobilized by ignorance and suffering? But the Buddha clearly tells us the whole herd of cows successfully crossed the stream together. Not a single cow was left behind. Even those who thought that they could never cross did so with the others. The crossing, he says, is the power of faith to call us forward. If we trust the herd, we can put aside our own individual fears. If we listen for the voices of the experienced and the enlightened, those voices will draw us on. This morning, we all put our faith in this herd called First Parish in Concord, And what a fine herd it is, I must tell you. We trust that there are wise leaders among us. We trust that the herd will make good and brave decisions. We trust that we won't have to cross the stream alone. And we know that there's always room in the herd for more. Together, we will get where we are going. Even as your senior minister, I am just one of the herd standing on the shore of this same wide stream that we all look at. Sometimes I think I know how to cross. Sometimes I am just as frightened as a young calf. Sometimes it is my voice that can encourage others to cross. Sometimes I strain my ear to hear the voice of encouragement from someone else. And each year... I decide how much of my own money I'm going to chuck at this herd, how much I'm going to give it, how much energy. I decide how much I can afford. I decide how generous I would like to be. As many of you know, it is my practice to give 5% of my gross income to my church. I have given at this level for most of my life. This means that I will be giving $7,500 to First Parish in Concord for the coming year. This amount is $250 more than I gave last year. And if you think that my giving is high, so high that you could never do it yourself, remember, it's just 5%. What's 5%, really? It's not that much. If you are giving 5% of your gross income, no matter how large or how small that income is, then you are just as generous as I am. Likewise, if everyone here this morning followed my lead and raised their pledge by $250 or more, it would make a big difference. But what matters more than the number that you will soon write on a pledge card is how that number makes you feel. Because my pledge is substantial, it makes me feel much more a part of our congregation. I have ownership in this congregation. I really care what it does with my money. I know my pledge goes to make the world a better place, so I want it to be as high as I can reasonably afford. The pledge that we all will make this morning is for the fiscal year beginning 
on July 1st, 2019. So I wanted you to find in your pews, there should be pledge cards near the ends of the pews. Find one of those pledge cards and take a minute or two. Think about where you stand on the edge of this wide stream. Think about how much you trust this herd and how much you need it. And as our children and youth rejoin us with a song, write down a number that will help all of us reach high and reach wide. After the children have sung, we will joyously bring our pledge cards forward together. Reach high, reach wide.